Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we get started with today's episode, I have to remind you that this is the last week of my Christmas in July sale for my Flex of Gold journals. Right now, these life-changing journals are discounted by $10 per journal, which is the best deal you'll see on them all year, even better than Black Friday. Reserve a few copies that you can give away to friends for birthdays, baby showers, teacher gifts, or of course, holiday gifts. This is a pre-order, so it's the best way to guarantee you'll get the color and number of copies you want when my big shipment arrives just in time for the holiday season. So order your journals now, and they'll arrive to you by the first week of December. We released a brand new special edition color this year, which I am so excited about. To see it and to learn more about how this journal can help you to find more joy and meaning in your motherhood, go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold. And don't wait because this is the biggest sale of the year and it ends on July 31st. That's 3in30podcast.com slash flex, F-L-E-C-K-S, of gold.com. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom, someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. As parents, it's difficult to carve out time to pursue our creative dreams and passions. Between carpool and work and soccer practice and dinner time and laundry, and grocery shopping, and bedtime, and cleaning up another potty accident from the three-year-old, it just doesn't seem to be a high priority. But for many of us, our creative interests and hobbies are what really fuel us and make us feel most like ourselves. And I'm not just talking about creativity in an artistic sense. You don't have to be a writer or an artist to crave space to develop yourself and use your ambitions to build and create new things. Any drive that you have to learn or create something new whether that's a meal or a spreadsheet, counts as creative work. But the question is, how do we hold space for pursuing our passions in the midst of the craziness of parent life? It's messy, but it's possible, and in today's Encore episode, my guests are going to share some of their best ideas. Elizabeth Berglund is a stay-at-home mother and an artist, and Ben Brashares is a stay-at-home father and an author. They both have young families that they are the primary caregivers for, But despite their busy schedules, they continuously chip away at working within their creative fields. As I mentioned, this is an encore episode. It was originally recorded in 2019 when Ben and Elizabeth had just collaborated on and published their first children's book, Being Edie is Hard Today. And you will hear us talk about that book throughout the episode. I wanted to let you know that since this interview was recorded almost four years ago, Ben and Elizabeth have published a second children's book. The Great Whipplethorpe Bug Collection, which is just as beautiful and impactful as their first. I'll make sure to include links to both of their books in the show notes. And as a side note, Elizabeth, or Lizzie as I call her, is my childhood best friend. So I happen to have insider insight 
and when we were recently texting, she told me that she and Ben have started discussions and are brainstorming about doing a possible third book together, so you'll have to stay tuned for that. With no further ado, here's our re-air of episode 98, How to Hold Space for Your Creativity as a Busy Parent. Elizabeth and Ben, welcome to 3 and 30. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. And I have to tell everyone that Elizabeth, who will always be Lizzie to me, is my childhood best friend. I claim that I was the first to see your artistic talents in the notes that we passed back and forth in seventh grade. And I still have some of them. And you filled them with drawings of all sorts of things, even as a middle schooler. So that's pretty fun for me to see how far you've come. (laughs) And for me, too. I mean, I think it's a claim that I was the first to see the fruits of your writing, all your like hilarious stories and endless journaling. Yes, that is true. So Lizzie's the illustrator and Ben is the author of this children's book. And you guys also pursue your art independently and do your own work, but then you've come together for this project. And the children's book is so beautiful, so touching about a little girl kind of grappling with her big emotions and understanding them. So I would love for the listeners to go and check out your new book. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But I love this concept that you proposed for the episode about holding space for our creativity as parents, which is not easy. And I would love for you to start in and tell us our three takeaways. So for the first takeaway, I th- I think it's, I'd like to start talking about just the management of your expectation, which for me and pretty much everything in life is probably 95% of the challenge for holding space for my art personally. And I think anyone who's pursuing creativity. Um, When my first daughter was born, I had been working as a designer in bridal and I actually, I got pregnant and I was like stoked because I thought, yay, like now I'll get to like really pursue I'll stay home with her and I'll get to paint she's snapping it's gonna be amazing oh my gosh how delusional was I like when she was born I mean I had even set up the nursery as my studio I like put this little crib in this little tiny corner and then the rest of it I had built this wall up and it was my studio I had my easel up my drawing table and then of course she was born and a successful day for me was simply getting my teeth brushed and not sobbing all day. And so that was definitely not what I thought. So I really had to lower my expectations in order to enjoy my child. Mm. Um, so there really was no work getting done in those early baby years. I have three and they were all, you know, born fairly close together. Um, But, you know, it did force me to search for new mediums that were a bit more portable and didn't require that fixed studio space um, where the kids could destroy things. So when my second was born, I had actually bought an old eight millimeter camera and started experimenting with film because drawing and painting just wasn't going to work for me. I didn't have the space for it. It was too much for the little babies and toddlers to destroy. Um, so I could just haul this little camera around with them and it felt like something that they could be a part of for me. Um, so I was started documenting and then I would found a place that would transfer the film to uh, a digital medium and then I could edit late at night after they had gone to bed. And that was really fun for me because it brought in music and film. And so there's this like visual creativity. Yeah. And I love there that you talked about how you adjusted the medium 
of your art and and you are a traditional artist like people think of creative work as art and that is you but like i said in the introduction this could be also any any passion that you have to create anything um and sometimes you have to adjust the medium or the way that you're doing it when you have young children, but still believe that it's possible for you to use that outlet and that gift and that passion that you have. Totally. And also just acknowledge things in terms of seasons. Mm. Like, the, you know, I'm like, I knew eventually I, I wanted to be a painter mm. and I wanted to be an illustrator. This is like, that was my dream. And it's just, you know, I just had to tell myself, just not now. Mm. That'll come later. And, and that really helps it, just acknowledging it in terms of like this is a season and those seasons can last five years. They can last 10 years. And that's OK. And some people aren't really able to jump fully into it at the caliber or level they're wanting to until later on in life. And that's fine. And that didn't happen for me till all my kids started school. They're age 10 or sorry, 12, 10 and eight now. So they're all in school during the day. I get to work you know, while they're at school and then get to be with them in the afternoon and then sneak in some more hours late at night. Yeah. So it really does change and you can adjust your expectations based on the season and believe that even if the season of life that you're in at this moment may not be the ideal for pursuing your passion, that that time will come for you eventually. Yeah. And also the reality is that the time is never ideal. It, I, you know, it's my one of my favorite quotes from E.B. White. He says, a writer who waits for ideal conditions under which to work will die without putting a word on paper. And that's true. Mm. I say that about anything. Like, it's never the right time to have kids. It's never the right time to move. It's never the right time really for anything. So you just have to decide that uh, this is important to you. This is what you want to do. And you might be painting or drawing on the floor in the corner for a little while, you know. Yeah, at late at night after kids are in bed. And I do remember during that season of your life, you would tell me like, sometimes I paint till three in the morning, which people might say is an irresponsible decision, because then I'm really tired the next day when my kids wake up early. But it fuels me so much that it's worth it to me to stay up late to get that time in, even if I'm a little bit tired the next day. During that season, that's what you had to do. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And Ben, what was you, what's been your experience? Because you have been the primary caregiver for your kids, even when they were little young babies and children. So how did you fit in your writing at that time? Or did you tell us about your experience? Yeah, so I, um, I actually was in grad school for writing, getting an MFA in creative writing. And we had our first child while I was in my last year there. But as soon as, you know, that ended, it was really like, okay, what? what am I going to do? Am I going to be, am I just going to be the dad at home with the kids? Is that, is that just, you know, all it is, or am I going to try and pursue this writing stuff? And at what level, at what, you know, how, how hard am I going to pursue it? What am I going to give up in order to pursue it? Hmm. And for me, it was just, it was a long series of sort of trial and error of trying to figure out how I could do both while keeping, you know, in terms of this expectations topic, this sort of expectation that I would be a good dad and that I would give my son, George, the time and energy that I wanted to give him. But it's just been a matter of keeping expectations low enough in terms of my production of my work so that I don't drive myself crazy and feel worthless and, you know, and feel like at the end of the day, I didn't get anything done. 
when in fact I got a lot of quality time with my kids or, or maybe not even quality time. Maybe it was just like yelling at them and stuff, but it was, you know, it was being a dad. It was being a parent at home and being with them, which was really important to me, you know, but also keep expectations high because you need to, you need to keep motivated. You know, you need to expect a lot from yourself, both as a parent, but also in their, in your career that you're pursuing. And so it's been so hard. Really, the, the real tricky thing for me has been to figure out how to keep expectations high enough that I, I stay up and, and positive and feel like this is going to be good and, and I can do this, but low enough so that when things aren't really going well and I'm not feeling productive and I'm not getting anything done, that I don't get too frustrated because there's so much frustration when you're trying to create in, a, in that space with kids running around and bothering you and all that. So, Oh, definitely. Um, and I love know. what you said in your outline about weekends particularly, and, and it sounds like maybe more now the stage of parenting that you're in now. Um, tell us about your weekends and what you finally decided to do with those, with your expectations. Yeah. So uh, originally weekends were sort of my time. Um, what you thought they my, should, you thought they were, right? I thought they were my time. They seem like they should be my time for all the struggle I went through during the week to, you know, make lunches and breakfasts and get kids from school and all that. Um, of course, my wife felt like it was her time. And, you know, understandably so. She was commuting a long ways there and back from work and dealing with all the hassles and stress of work. Um, but she was very kind uh, early on. And I, but I had my weekends to weekends to try and get my work done. But there was just such a push and pull between us and most of our fights, as they are with most, I think, young parents, um, you know, as to who who gets that time. Um, and it was just very, very frustrating because I would be trying to get work done and she'd say, OK, well, I'm going to take the kids out, you know, for the day and we're going to go apple picking or something. And I'd say, OK. I'm going to get work done. And then I'd have this huge chunk of space that was completely foreign to me. And I would sort of like putter around this house and mope and miss my kids and my wife and be like, oh, call them. When are you guys going home? <laughs> yeah. uh, and basically get nothing done because there was just such an abrupt change of like, you know, a quiet house with nothing. And, and I, I just couldn't. I don't know. I know some people are better equipped to to just shift gears and be like, okay, quiet house. I'm diving in and I'm getting this done. I think actually, Elizabeth, you probably are one to do that better. But I, I just, I don't know. So ended up basically just giving them up and saying, I am going to be present. I'm going to just have weekends with my wife and kids, and I'm just going to do my best to be present for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it, it, it made such a big difference. It really did. And I have to say in my creative work, which I consider this podcast creative work, I've never thought of myself as traditionally creative as far as I'm not artistic, but I am very creative with writing and creating podcasts and things like that. And that's been a shift just in the last few years that I've kind of owned that I'm creative. And I found that with my creative work, it's very helpful when I'm present where I am versus trying to like kind of keep a foot in each land. And so sure. like when I'm with my kids, I try to be really present with my kids and own that that is the space and time for them. And then when I have work time, I try to be really present with my work and, and protect both. 
and it's helped me quite a bit to have more joy in both places instead of always kind of pining for the other thing when I'm doing the other thing. If that that's, makes huge. Sense. Absolutely. that's huge. Absolutely, makes you a lousy parent and it makes you a lousy artist. And so, yes, know, when, and you're in constant frustration because you're not doing either very well. Yes, which I feel like leads really well into the second takeaway about carving out a designated space and time for your creativity. So can you tell us more about that? So for me, this takeaway of carving out a physical space, it was the number one, I cannot stress this enough, like the absolute game changer for me. So if there's visual artists out there or like crafters or sewers, anyone who has like a physical piece of work that they're generating, as soon as I was able, as in we weren't living in a tiny two-bedroom apartment with three kids, which we did for a really long time, as soon as I was able to carve out a physical space in my home as my studio, that completely changed everything for me and for just my family, for the way that I feel like everyone suddenly respected my space and my time because it was a physical space. Hmm. Um, and, you know, we've made sacrifices to make this happen. We live in the city um, in this little colonial row home. So space is a premium to begin with, but my kids all get smushed into one room and I'm like, sorry, this room is mine. And they're totally fine with it because they can see how happy it makes me. And it's really inspiring for them to see their mom kind of inspired. Hmm. Um, and also you don't, you don't, I'm guessing you probably don't make this big deal and apologize for it. So they probably don't even know that it could be any other way. It's like, this is how it is. Mom has her workspace and we share a room and we all work together in our family to make sure everybody's needs are met. I mean, is that what you would say is accurate for your family? And the thing is about being an artist is like, I'd say one other thing is say it out loud. Even if you're not like currently generating work, like me saying I'm an artist, this is who I am. Like Ben, you're a writer and and like your productivity or like your sales or your whatever does not say now you're an artist. And I think that's been something for us from the start. These kids were born from a mother that was an artist. And so like mm. an, any sort of artist who's not making work is it's you're literally in pain. Like it's a terrible existence. My kids are it's it's really been so neat and so powerful, particularly for my daughters, I think, to like mm. sit and watch me. They don't get as much as my time anymore. And honestly, I think they're kind of happy about it. They're like, thank God we have our space now. Like, Josh was alone and stop pestering us. And like, you know, my, my kids, it's, it's, you know, I'll get choked up thinking about it, but they'll like totally sit in my studio late at night. They know they can't talk in there. They know they can't touch things in there, but they're just, they're watching their mom do what she's supposed to be doing. And these are the hopes I have for them. Yeah. I hope that they will chase their dreams, you know, like it to sound all cheesy. It's like, you absolutely, this is like a real job that you can have and a real thing that you can do. Yeah. But like what you said earlier, you know, just, it, I think it is critical to schedule that time. Mm. So my studio is in our home, but I'm not like popping up, you know, 15 minutes here and there every hour. Like I said, during the school year, nine to three, those are my work hours. And then usually again, like, you know, eight to sometimes way too early in the morning if I'm deep in a project, but like, you know, eight to like 11 o'clock so I'll mm -hmm. get like a full, full work day in. But when they're home, I'm not working. I'm like not in the studio unless like I'm up against some big deadline. Mm -hmm. But, you know, during summers, it's been challenging. But like, you know, my work hours, I would say are cut in half. But I try to, you know, actually schedule the hours and let the kids know. I'm like, these are my scheduled hours. 
I'm in the studio. I'm working. Don't bother me. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Kids are much more respectful than <laughs> his kids are naughty. His kids are like sitting on his head when he's writing and like. <laughs> Elizabeth has like little house on the prairie. Like, Your kids are like, dad's just on his computer. Like, he's not doing anything worthwhile. I know. He's probably like playing Minecraft. Not like yours. are like, mama, I'd like to go pick some beans from the garden. <laughs> so for me, I have always had a very difficult time sitting at a desk, upright, mm -hmm. in a chair, working. I don't know if it's re always reminded me of like being in school or what, but I, I find that being sort of on a couch with a laptop on my lap and a coffee next to me and pillows is my place. And my guess is that I need that in order to feel comfortable and low pressure situation where it just feels like I might as well just be sitting talking with a friend mm -hmm. and my writing feels a little more easy and less pressure that way. So you don't really have a dedicated office space because that doesn't work for you. That's what you found, that you work better in a more relaxed working space. Yeah, exactly. I've tried to do it. I've tried to set up a space because I know that's like 99 out of 100 true artists will say like that is what you absolutely have to do. And maybe someday I'll be able to do it. But yeah, right now, that's I just I sent the kids off to school. I sit down on the couch and I pull out my laptop and I just, yeah, that's it. Let it flow. And I really appreciate, I love hearing both perspectives here and that both ways of doing it are okay and fitting it to what works for your creativity and your flow is what matters and making a rhythm with your family and your kids and also being honest with yourself and them about how much it matters to you and prioritizing it. Totally. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. How are the dog days of summer going, my friends? We have packed in a lot of fun, but managing the ups and downs of our family and my husband's and my businesses can be all-consuming at times, and I have found myself heavily leaning on the positive coping skills that I've learned in therapy over the years. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice, the easier it gets. Therapy has empowered me to be the best version of myself and taught me how to be kind to myself when I'm not feeling like my best. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your unique schedule, done all online. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. They also offer therapy for teenagers, so if one of your kids needs support, this might be a good place to start. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash 3in30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3in30. This podcast is also sponsored by KiwiCo, a monthly subscription box of seriously fun and enriching art and learning projects for kids of all ages. As a child, I know I would have loved KiwiCo because while I had fun doing craft projects that were set up for me, I didn't necessarily know how to create them out of loose parts the way my son Noah does. His brain amazes me, and when he gets his hands on a crate from KiwiCo, he takes his creativity and learning to the next level. KiwiCo projects are designed by a team of educators, makers, engineers, and rocket scientists 
who brainstorm hundreds of ideas to create the most exciting, age-appropriate, and educational projects for kids. Their crate lines are perfect to keep on hand for summer. Just pull out one of the boxes and do it with your child, or if they're old enough, let them do it by themselves, and you get an hour of downtime. I especially love that there's something for kids of all ages, from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. Recently, Sally built the light-up shadow box from her Doodle Crate subscription, and I just loved the beautiful mixtures of color and light. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com slash 3 and 30. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com slash 3 and 30. This podcast is also sponsored by my Flex of Gold journal. I mentioned before the episode started that right now we're having our biggest sale of the year on these special journals, with each journal discounted by $10 and free shipping for orders of two or more. I want to read you an excerpt from an email I got just a few weeks ago from a mom in the 3 and 30 community who's been using her Flex of Gold journal for a couple of years. She said this, Hi Rachel, I want to tell you again how much your Flex of Gold journal has blessed my life. In November, I will have completely filled all three years of my journal. I already ordered and received a replacement journal last year because I wanted to be sure that I'd have one to continue this tradition forever. Your journal has helped me to form a habit that has had a ripple effect throughout every facet of my life. I've only kept journals in spurts over my lifetime because other journals intimidated me with a big open full page. I would be so tired that I would think, I'll wait until another day when I have more time. And then I would have so much to catch up on that I'd be overwhelmed and not do it at all. The amount of space that you have on the pages in your Flex of Gold journal is just the right amount that I can do it every single night after my shower before I lie down. And being able to read what I wrote a year ago or two years ago is so motivating for me to continue this daily habit. I want to remind you that I'm the grandma who lost my two grandsons a few years ago. Sometime after that, I wrote to thank you for your flexible journal because I'd been keeping that for nine months before this tragedy happened. Because I was already in the habit of looking for God's fingerprint in my life, I was able to find tiny little blessings each day, even through that heartbreaking time. I could also stay in a frame of mind to support my daughter through her immense loss. This tragedy has been hard on my marriage and hard on relationships, as well as our faith in some ways, but my habit of writing in my journal every night and finding things to be grateful for has helped me to soften my heart. Thank you for being inspired to create this special doable journal and for all your hard work to bring it to all of us. End quote. It means so much to me when podcast listeners share their personal stories. And I am in awe of this grandma's strength in facing such a devastating trial in her life. It is beyond humbling to know that my journal has helped her to get through such a hard time. If you or someone you know is going through a difficult time, or if you just want to start being more aware of the tiny blessings in your day-to-day life, the Flex of Gold Journal is a practice that can help you shift your perspective. Just go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to get the best deal of the year before the end of July. That's 3in30podcast.com slash flex of gold. And then what is your third takeaway? Uh, So for the third takeaway, and this goes against a lot of popular advice, and I think what I had grown up really hearing, the third takeaway is if you can, do what you love as your job. And I had always heard, like, if you do what you love, if you do what you love professionally, it'll kill it for you. It'll die. And I honestly could not disagree more. I've been a working professional artist now for three and a half years. 
And it's only made me just fall even more madly in love with and feel more assured that this is absolutely what I'm supposed to be doing. And like your level of pride in your work gets in, is increased. Mm. You know, when Ben and I started this project, it's something we had always talked about doing. And we're like, as soon as we have time, we're going to make this children's book together. And so finally, one day I sent him this illustration and I was this little girl and she was trying on different like animal parts. It was a little bit dark when the book started. And I said, her name's Edie. Can you write? And he sent me back the, the first part of the manuscript and it was brilliant. It was so hilarious and amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're doing this. Let's do this. She's coming to life. <laughs> yeah. And it was Ben who Ben who was like, let's finish this manuscript and let's send it in. Let's see if we can get it published. I was like, why not? For so long, I was like, I don't know if we can do that. We started out, it, it started out in this really pure form. Like we just wanted to make a great piece of art mm. and then just kind of see what happened. And as soon as we decided to push it into like, let's really, really do this. I've spent triple the hours I would have on each illustration, just pouring myself into the details. We poured ourselves into all parts of the story. It turned into this big, deep project that we were so proud of because we knew what our goal was, let's have this in print and let's let it live like in real life yeah. and let's people hold it. And I think that's huge. It just pushes your work into places it never could have gone. It steps up the caliber of the product raises the bar for yourself and your returns then are so much bigger. You're taking risks. It's risky. As a creative mm. person putting your work out there, it's, I mean, it's the whole thing is a risk. Being an artist is, it's terrifying and you're constantly being made vulnerable, but the rewards are so huge. Um, so, you know, submit your work for that open call gallery show or walk into a coffee shop and see if they'll show your work. Like if you're a visual artist or start the podcast you've been thinking podcast. about. Do it. Like it's such a game changer. Well, knowing that people are going to possibly view your work, see your work, consume it in some way, you know, it's not just thoughts in your head anymore. You're putting it out there. And like you said, it's scary and there's a lot of risk, but it holds you accountable to your creativity when you have some sort of a even if it's just a writing group, like it doesn't necessarily need to be a professional level thing, but you're holding yourself accountable by allowing other people into your creativity. Totally. And like for Ben and I, part partnering up was huge. You know, choosing to partner up with a writer or partnering up with an artist and say, let's let's make this a full thing. Let's collaborate together. It's really big. Yeah, I need collaboration. I find that have someone else. To, I mean, it helps that Olivia is sort of a path master. <laughs> It's one way to say it. Um, but I think that to have someone who's holding you accountable is very key. And a lot of people spend a ton of money, as I did, $40,000, you know, getting an MFA, you know, just to say that I'm a writer. And I think that's why people do it. It's just to say, okay, I put this much money towards it. I put this much time. I now have to say I'm a writer. And it's the same, you know, just sort of like put that out there. You have to have someone who who is willing to say to you, you have to get this done. Like you're a writer, you're mm -hmm. an art. And it helped a lot when we got an agent and a publisher who were able to be other taskmasters for, for me and to have guidelines and all that. I've been writing for, for 20 years or some 15 years and not a ton to show for it. And I think a lot of it is honestly just because there's no one asking for it. Yeah. And I love that we live in a time now where 
There are so many options for holding yourself accountable, for publishing independently, for finding a writing group. You know, you guys did go the more traditional route where you have a big time publisher that published your book. But if people aren't to that level, there are other options and totally. ways to hold yourself totally. accountable and to get your work out into the world now in this day and age that we live in. Oh, yeah, so much. So much and more every day. And it's becoming more legitimate every day. And and I also want to say, like, don't be afraid to put yourself out there to like a big agent or a big gallery or whatever. You are legitimate when you say you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe baby steps up, but also like, go for it. Like, just reach out to the thing that feels like out of reach. You never know. Yeah. And what's it going to hurt to, to try your yeah, time? Totally. I've had a lot of rejection letters. A lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of hustle. A lot of hustle involved. Well, thank you so much for these three takeaways. And I really want to encourage anyone listening to apply it broadly to whatever your passion is. It doesn't have to be the creative, the artistic, you know, this type of art to take these takeaways and apply it to whatever it is that you've been wanting to hold space for in your life. That's important to you. I really loved, Lizzie, when you said that you were in pain when you weren't creating. That struck me because that's how it felt when I was a full-time stay-at-home mom and I didn't have the outlet of my teaching. I loved my children deeply and they made me deeply happy. But I'd never thought of it till you said that. But I think that describes I was in pain because this part of me that craved an outlet was stuck inside of me. But I knew I didn't want to go back to teaching full-time. And so I had to find a different medium like you described. And I found the medium of podcasting as a way that I could share my love for teaching and still be the mother that I wanted to be. And that's going to look really different for everybody, whether you want to be working full-time, which is also fine, or home full-time, which is also fine. But just honoring what's in your heart and recognizing that you can hold space for that thing, whatever it may be. Uh Yeah. And I will say you're very good at it. Oh, well, I thank you. And you guys are very good at what you do. And I truly want listeners to reach out and find your book. It is beautiful. I love the mix of traditional artwork with emojis woven in, which is so fun. And then this hilarious storyline that Ben wrote. So everybody go find Being Edie is Hard Today. Thank you both so much for coming on and for sharing these takeaways with us. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for having us. I just loved revisiting that conversation with my childhood kindred spirit and her business partner, Ben. To recap, Lizzie and Ben's takeaways for holding space for your own creativity as a parent are, first, manage your expectations. Think about your hobby or your passion and ask yourself, is there a way I can still do this, but in a medium or method that's more conducive to family life? And you can always help your partner to help you brainstorm. Remember, everything is a season and respect the season of parenting you're in, but also respect your true need to carve out time for your creativity. It's possible to do both. Second, carve out a designated space for your creativity, both a physical space and a time-blocked space, and make sure that it fits you and your unique creative personality. For example, Ben talked about how he works much better on a couch than at a desk. Figure out what works best for you, and once you've carved out that space, hold it sacred and believe that your family will only be blessed by seeing you prioritize your creative gifts. And third and finally, find ways to hold yourself accountable to your creativity, whether that's by doing it as your job 
or finding an accountability partner or group to consistently check in with or produce for. Having some sort of accountability actually makes you prioritize it. And I just want to remind you of the wise words of Elizabeth when she said, you are legitimate when you say you are. You can claim your creativity and make space for it without having to do it professionally. I love these three strategies and all of the other nuggets of wisdom that were in this conversation. As we're airing Encore episodes all about my self-assured motherhood pillars this summer, I knew I wanted to include this inspiring interview that highlights what it looks like to honor your needs as a parent, because your creativity, your dreams, and your desires are truly in need, and they matter so much as a mother, just as much as everyone else in your families. Fall is fast approaching, and I want to give you time to think about joining my Self-Assured Motherhood program when it opens for enrollment in September. To get on the list to learn more information about this program, text SAM to 33777. That's S-A-M to 33777. I'm rooting for you, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family. Mathis, the host of the Cool Mom Code podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. I'm excited to give you a behind the scenes, real talk combo between some of the most influential and tastemaker mamas I know. Subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't ever miss a beat. See you there.